Okay, since since it's right after Yantif, and uh, everyone's a little out of it, so let's go something a little lighter. Let's talk about the uh, chariot of Ezekiel. So the Rambam writes that it's a minak, it's a custom that on the first day of Yantif, we re- <laughs> yeah, Ezekiel's chariot. Okay, so. <laughs> The Ramam writes the custom is that on the first day of Shuas we read about the giving of the Torah, and the Torah is about the Merkava, about about the um, uh, chariot of the chariot of Hashem described by Yechesko. There's also the law halacha that is brought in the Torah and Shulchan Aruch. Uh, Rashi writes. What's the reason we read about the prophet of Yechezkel's vision? Prophet Yechezkel's vision of the chariot. Rashi explains, and the author brings this down in the court of Jerusalem. This is because God revealed himself in Mount Sinai with billions of angels. And Levush also explains the same thing with more length. He says, we read about the chariot of Yechezkel because on that day, on that special moment, uh, at, at the giving of the Torah, everyone reached the level of prophecy. And everyone from young to old heard God's voice say, I am Lord your God. So there's no question that all of everyone reached the same level as what Yechezkel saw. As the Torah says, all the people saw the voices. So uh, therefore we read the, the story of, of Yechezkel's prophecy and seeing the, prophet, the chariot of Hashem because it's a similar event. And that's what Haftar is in general. Haftar is always similar to the Torah reading. The Radak uh, comments on the uh, in his commentary on Yechezkel that he quotes sages who said that when the Jewish people were at Mount Sinai, they saw the chariot of Hashem just like Yechezkel did. And just like it, it, it says that by the splitting of the Red Sea, that the, 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 the simple uh, servant saw what Yechezkel saw. So the question is, the Haftarah is supposed to be similar to the event. That means not a detail of the event, but the main component of the event. So in our uh, subject, seeing the chariot of Hashem is not the major event that happened at Mount Sinai. Rather, what happened at Mount Sinai was more than the chariot. We saw the revelation of God himself. And God gave us a Torah. So it would seem more appropriate, instead of reading about Yechezkel's vision, about the chariot, which is just a detail of the revelation of Galinus, it's more appropriate to read from Habakkuk. Habakkuk talks about how God went to all nations to give them the Torah, and how God revealed himself to the Jewish people. And even if you want to say that it's, there's something important about the chariot specifically, that Hashem revealed himself with his chariot, the, the main point, it would seem, is not seeing the chariot of Hashem, rather seeing the glory of Hashem. Now we heard Hashem's voice, um, especially because our sages say that because of what we witnessed in Mount Sinai, seeing the chariot of Hashem, that led us to make the mistake of serving the golden calf. Because we saw the chariot of Hashem, we misinterpreted and we brought the golden calf later. That, that, so, so it actually had a negative effect too. And even if you have to, and even for some reason, you insist that we have to be about specifically the chariot of Hashem, um, 
it would seem that the vision of Isaiah, of Yeshaya, would be more appropriate. Why? Because when Yeshaya describes seeing the chariot of Hashem, he sort of highlights he's seeing Hashem, and Hashem has many angels. Versus, it doesn't talk too much about the chariot of Hashem. However, Yechezkel does the opposite. He speaks at length about the angels and about the chariot, and very little about Hashem himself. So if we were to insist that we have to somehow talk about the chariot for whatever reason, let's talk about the chariot of Hashem the way Isaiah does, and describe the glory of Hashem, and incorporate within that some details of the chariot, as Isaiah does. But Yechezkel is the opposite. He puts, so to speak, Hashem in the background. And the major, his lens, his major is, is focused at high res at, at, the, at, the, at, the, at the chariot. Another question. The revelation of godliness at Mount Sinai is not at all like the revelation of godliness in Ezekiel's, Ezekiel's vision. It's, it's similar to the vision of Isaiah. It's, 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 it's even really higher than the vision of Isaiah a little bit. It's, it's, it's similar to the vision of Moshe Rabbeinu. Because it says we, at Mount Sinai we spoke to Hashem face to face. So according to this, if there was uh, something similar to Moshe Rabbeinu's vision, face to face, face to face, we need to understand what the Radak said, that at Mount Sinai there was a revelation of the chariot. Chayrov was much more than a revelation of the chariot. If, if you light and match the Gemara says, when the, during the daytime the match is, 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 is meaningless. So similarly, at the time when Hashem revealed himself, uh, in a similar way that he revealed himself to Meshach Rabbeinu, so not only is, is the chariot not, not relevant, but in a way it's, it's like insulting to what's going on. We saw, the, we saw the revelation of Hashem himself. So, so why, why is, does the Radak say that we saw the revelation of God's chariot? Why does he emphasize that? And also, we need to understand about this halacha, that we read about the chariot of Hashem. There's a rule that you're not supposed to um, learn about God's chariot, even if you are a, there by yourself. You're not supposed to learn about God's chariot unless you are uh, one-on-one. You're not supposed to learn about God's chariot unless the one who's learning is a chacham and a maven, is a great wise man, and that's the reason why in some places there's a custom that the chacham is supposed to read the haftorah because you're not supposed to uh, interpret the um, only the chacham basically is able to to learn about the the, the chariot, and therefore he's the one who should read the haftorah. Um, according to the Tanakhama, uh, who says. Uh, that week, yeah, the, the Tanakhama says we should not read about the chariot. His opinion, the commissioner, is you should not read about it. Why? Because people may start asking questions about it and start learning about it. You're not supposed to. Therefore, he says, don't read it. And the reason why the conclusion is that we do read about it, why do we read about it if it's something we're afraid, we're afraid people are going to ask about it? Therefore, we don't read about it according to the Tanakhama. Why do we, what's the conclusion that we do read about it? Tesis says, we're not afraid people will start asking about it because either way, the person asking the questions is going to be okay. If he's a chacham, if he's a wise man, so he'll know that it's better to, to be quiet about it than to ask about it because it's, it, it, the most intelligent person is not going to understand the, the depth of, these, of, of, of the prophet of Ezekiel. And if he's not so smart, people usually... Um, like Isaiah was very intelligent he said about himself people think I'm smart because I'm quiet 
Anyways, so Evel Machesh Hachmiyachashiv. Tzionta says so a, a foolish person who's quiet is considered smart. So by him being quiet about it, uh, he he knows it's, it's it makes sense to not ask questions because he's not going to get answers for his questions. Okay, so that's how they that, that's what Tzionta explains why it's okay to read about it. It's not going to cause any danger of people learning about this in an incorrect way. However, according to need to understand what's the point of reading about this in public. What's the, the, the purpose of the reading of the Haftorah is not only for those individuals who understand about the Ezekiel. Thank you very much. The purpose of reading the, reading the Haftorah is for everybody who's listening, every single Jew is in Shul, reading the Haftorah. Most people are not at the level of this wise man who understands Ezekiel's vision. So what's the purpose of reading it for everybody? We have to say that there must be something unique about Ezekiel's vision that highlights the novelty of the giving of the Torah. And therefore, this half Torah is specifically, uniquely qualified to be similar to the event of Mount Sinai that expresses the general theme the, about, about the giving of the Torah. And this general theme that Ezekiel expresses in his vision is something that every single Jew could understand all the details we can understand, but the general theme that Ezekiel is expressing is something we all could understand, we need to understand, because it, it somehow delivers to us the general theme of the giving of the Torah. The answer is like this. The Gemara explains the difference between Ezekiel's vision and Isaiah's vision. The Gemara says that you cannot compare Ezekiel to uh, Isaiah, although they, bought, both, they saw the same thing. Kol what page is on we have what page? No, 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 no. You for rang a little bit yesterday. So you work Hashem. You give me a little bit. You give me a little bit. You want to volunteer to help the minion? Why is not Shachto over there? You want to learn there? Okay, fine. Thank you very much. You give me one, please. Shkech. Thank you very much. Oh, it sounds like they got somebody. No? I don't know. Check, 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 check. Okay. So the Gemara says, whatever Yechezkel saw, whatever Ezekiel saw, Yeshaya saw. But Yechezkel is like a villager who saw the king, and Isaiah is like a city person who saw the king. They both saw the same thing, but the difference is not what they saw, the difference is in who saw it. Yechezkel is like a villager, and Isaiah is like a city person. So the difference is not what they saw, it's what they told. Yeshaya doesn't tell us everything, because he was a prince of the palace. He is a, a city person who, who is accustomed to seeing the king. He therefore doesn't talk about the details. But the very fact that um, Yeshaya is described as a person of the city and growing up in the palace, and Yechezkel is described as a villager whose place is not in the palace, it's understood that um, Yeshaya is on a higher level. Uh, as it says in the Talmud, the Yeshaya is called one of the great prophets. And his understanding of prophecy was greater. And in, in what they told us, we could see how Isaiah is greater, how could see is greater. Because you, 
whatever you, as Yechezkel tells us in detail, is about the, the details of the chariot. Versus Isaiah speaks about seeing the king himself. So that makes sense because if you're a villager, you go to the king's palace, you're like talking about everything. And I saw the, the king's horses, and I, called, so the, I saw the courtyard of the king, and I saw the city of the king. But a city dweller, he, when he goes to the, he's not, he, he knows the king's palace. He's not, he's not impressed by it. So, um, so seeing, um, hold on a second. Oh, yeah. So by him seeing the chariot of the king, that doesn't, that doesn't convey to, the, to, to, Isha, to Yeshaya, who always sees the palace of the king, anything greater about the king. What, what impresses Yeshaya is the king himself. But the villager who has no knowledge of the greatness of the king, when he sees the glory of the king, that it, it arouses in him great excitement, um, even though he doesn't have even, even though he doesn't understand the essence of the greatness of the king, but just being, being in, the whole, in the presence of the whole palace really excites him. And that's the difference between Yeshaya to Yecheskel. Yeshaya, who is considered the greatest of prophets, he is this city dweller, understands the greatness of the king, therefore the greatness of, the, of Hashem's chariot does not impress him. Yecheskel, whose main vision is in the chariot, um, this vision of the, of the chariot brought him to have excitement from the greatness of the king too, but he, he, he walks in and, and, and what catches his eye is first of all the greatness of the, 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 the courtyard, so to speak, the outside, the, 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 and by looking at the outside, that gives him some excitement on the inside. This is uh, similar to what it says in Aves HaKadosh about Yechezkel's vision. He says, because he saw the lower chariot, he knew what was going on in the higher chariot. Because there is one chair, one throne above one another throne. There is a higher chariot above the lower chariot. There is a higher rider above the lower rider. There is a higher glory above the lower glory. So because Yechezkel saw the four animals in this world, he understood that there is something, and he recognized that there must be something similar to these four animals in the true union, in, in the oneness of Hashem. So, the Avesa Kesh goes on to describe how all these verses are conveying the same thing. How Yechezkel, by seeing lower, more external things, is able to, to appreciate there's something depth but that's beyond what he's saying. In other words, the theme of Yechezkel's vision is about how the things in this world are similar to things in the higher world. And therefore, Yechezkel talks about the details, the chariot of Hashem, about the images of the man and the images of the faces of what he saw, he uses the word image. The word image conveys two opposite points. On the one hand, when you use the word image, you're saying, I'm not seeing this thing itself, I'm only seeing an image. Like looking the, when you look in the mirror, you don't see yourself, you just see an image of yourself. On the other hand, what is the mirror? What are you seeing? All you're seeing is only a reflection of you. There's nothing at all that exists. All that you see is just an image of yourself. It's not like there's some separate entity other than you. First of all, on the one hand, you're not seeing you yourself. You're just seeing an image of you. On the other hand, an image is not a thing. It's just a, it, it doesn't exist. All that an image is about is something that conveys, it's a reflection of you. So, so it's not just that through an image you could know exactly how the thing itself is, but more, the whole existence of the image is only about being similar to the, to, to the real thing. In other words, there's a lot of bittel 
in, in the image. The image is nothing more than about conveying the way the thing looks. It doesn't have any, any, any of its own existence. All it is is about conveying the thing itself. Um, so that's the meaning of Yechaskel, his de- the details of what he saw. Whatever he saw is, a simil- is, is similar to higher things. He saw things in this world. He understood that they have a counterpart in the higher worlds because everything in this world comes from the higher world. So therefore, whatever he saw in this world, he always don't want to derive from that that there's something higher. On the other hand, Yeshaya, since Yeshaya is a city dweller, he doesn't talk about the details of the chariot because uh, he never saw, Yeshaya never saw the image, the reflection of the way things are in this world. Rather, Yeshaya went straight to see the analog, the way things are in heaven. Since he is a city dweller who grew up in the palace, so everything besides the king doesn't, is not important to him. He doesn't feel them to exist. And therefore, all Yeshaya says is, I saw Hashem sitting on the throne. And he describes only a few angels to Serafim as a detail of seeing Hashem sitting on the throne. Yeshaya doesn't talk about what he sees in this world that's parallel to the higher world. Yeshaya just goes to, not to the image, but to the thing itself. According to this, you can understand why we read the vision of Ezekiel specifically as a continuation to the revelation of God at Sinai. The revelation of Hashem Mount Sinai was only temporary, but it wasn't only temporary. It was in order that we should elevate ourselves through our service of Hashem to cleave to Hashem. The power we have to cleave to Hashem now is from God's revelation to us on Mount Sinai. By that revelation, God set in our hearts this um, forever, the God, by that revelation, it permeated in our very being the revelation of Hashem Mount Sinai. Our eyes saw. So, when Hashem revealed Himself in Mount Sinai, it wasn't really temporary. Rather, it was the beginning of a new world. Hashem annulled the decree. Before the giving of the Torah, there was a separation between the higher worlds and the lower worlds. And the result of this annulment of this decree that Hashem annulled on Mount Sinai, he says there's no longer going to be separation between the higher worlds and lower worlds, that annulment is dependent on our service of Hashem. What this means is like this. The very fact that we describe higher and lower means they have a connection to each other. When we say that Hashem made a decree and the higher can't go down to the lower and lower can't go to the higher before the giving of the Torah, when that decree existed, that itself indicates that some kind of connection between them. Everything in this world has a divine source. The source of an ox in this world, why does an ox exist? It's because there's an ox in God's chariot. And the real, ultimate source of the ox in this world is the word of Hashem that animates the ox every moment. And the fact that the ox grows is also because of, as Gemara says, there's an angel called a mazel that causes each thing to grow. The angel, there's an angel for each blade of grass, the Gemara says, that hits it and says grow. So not only is its existence from a divine source, but even its growth is from a divine source. But then, the question is like this. How much do you see that source? Before the beginning of the Torah, there was a decree. The Hebrew word for decree is separation. Gazar v'chatach. There was a cutoff. There was a cutoff between the created being in this world and its source. On God's, on, on the given, at, the, at Mount Sinai, God annulled this decree. And He gave the power to every Jew, through their efforts, to draw down into themselves their divine source. To reveal 
how from the true creator, every created being exists. Hashem gave us a power to draw and to see in each creature its divine source. And since all beginnings are hard, therefore God did this himself in a very intense revelation of Mount Sinai. Like the Zohar says, at that moment of the giving of the Torah, all of the um, secrets were revealed. So, so the, um, the purpose of that intense revelation was to empower us after the giving of the Torah to be able to, um, to continue and connect th- this world with its source. To reveal how every creature of this world is nothing more than an image, than a reflection um, to its counterpart in heaven. And that's why this was chosen as Aftorah, for the giving of the Torah. This answers our question, why was this Aftorah chosen? No one understands it. Details we don't understand. But everyone can understand the general theme of the Aftorah. The general theme of the Aftorah is that by that whatever Yecheskel saw was only an image of something higher. And that's meant to give us the same, 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 same understanding. Whatever we see in this world has a divine source. And it's supposed to convey to us by reading this Haftarah that there's no separation between the physical world and the divine source, and we have to connect it. So now we can also explain uh, the reason for the custom to conclude the Haftarah with the words, Vatasaini Ruach, and a spirit lifted, the a wind lifted in me. That's, that's how the, the, the Haftarah concludes. Why do we conclude with that, that verse? It's not written near the, the story of the chariot. It's, it's, it's um, on the surface, when it says that the wind lifted me, lifted me is referring to how God's presence departed from Yechezkel. He stopped seeing Hashem after that. The answer is, the reason we mentioned that verse, because in that verse, the verse says like this, a, a, a wind lifted in me, and I heard a voice, a stormy, tumultuous voice, saying, blessed be the glory of God from His place. That verse highlights the 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 whole theme of Ezekiel's vision. One of the differences between Ezekiel's vision and, and Isaiah's vision is, Ezekiel talks about angels called Chayes and Ephanim, and Isaiah talks about angels called Seraphim. The way Ephanim serve Hashem, those angels called Ephanim, is with a great storm. It says Ephanim, with a great tumult. Uh, like we mentioned every day in the morning blessings, the Ephanim and the Chayes HaKodesh have our, our ascend up to, to before the other angels called Seraphim, and they, and they praise Hashem, they say, blessed be the glory of Hashem from this place. The Seraphim, Seraphim means literally burnt up. The Seraphim are angels, they're not burnt out, they're burnt up, they're consumed with yearning for the glory, for, for the greatness of Hashem. But they're not in a state of excitement. They are, they're, 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 they're consumed with what they see. The Ephanim express excitement, they express uh, uh, and the, the reason is because the difference between Israfim and Ephanim is kind of like the difference between Yecheskel and Yeshaya. The, the, the re- what makes a person have a storm and excitement is when he sees something that that's, he's not used to. So who has that storm? Who has that tumult? When the villager sees the king, that causes him to be very excited because it's all new. When a, when a city boy sees the king, it's not, there's no excitement. That's the difference between the Israfim and the Ephanim. Let's go more in detail for a second. The Seraphim understand how Hashem is beyond all of creation. They understand how the transcendence of Hashem. And they are yearning to be close to Hashem, and they're burnt up, so to speak, with their, with their yearning. They find Him, their excitement is something different. 
Their excitement is because they realize that, that Hashem created the world and things aren't, as the previous Rebbe said in the discourse, is, they feel it's not the way things seem. That's what they're excited. Their excitement is because like a person understands, imagine understanding that things are exactly the opposite of what you see with your eyes. That causes excitement. And that's the theme of the giving of the Torah, that even in this physical world, we should recognize the true creator, we can recognize that the things are not the way things seem. And that's the reason why when he gave us the Torah, there was such a storm, there was thunder, there was lightning. The, the purpose of the thunder and the lightning is, 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 is the very fact that Hashem revealed himself caused us to have fear. The purpose was to make us tremble in fear. We, there was enough of, of the vision itself, we saw Mount Sinai to have the vision and fear. What, what's the idea of the thunder and lightning? The answer is, the theme of the thunder and lightning in the storm is not what was just heard in our ears as another detail of what happened in Mount Sinai. This storm was actually part of the, the theme of the giving of the Torah. It's not just a detail that happened before the giving of the Torah. It's part of what the whole giving of the Torah is about. The giving of the Torah is meant to convey to us that every single detail of creation and the entire creation is, is not the way it seems to our eyes. Rather, all it is is divine source that creates. So the lesson for us is like this. Every year when this day comes, the day that we receive the Torah, every Jew has to learn a lesson for the Torah reading of the Torah, and the lesson's like this. There's one lesson for ourselves and one lesson regarding what we do for others. Although we just said before that the, the, the vision of Ezekiel is something that's, that's, that only special people can learn about, uh, the Arizal, uh, but everyone, that's only the way it was conveyed in, in the Kabbalah. But now, uh, through Chassidus, there's an obligation. Everyone must learn these teachings. They're given to us. So we have to learn them, understand them. And Adarab, this is called Mitzvah Roman Nisa, a exalted mitzvah to know the God of your Father. And this is specifically mm-hmm. what allows us to have a full heart in serving Hashem. And through this, we're able to recognize and see, to see and recognize in everything the true existence of what it is, how it's created by Hashem. By learning specifically Chassidus, like learning the, the bit of Ezekiel's vision that we can't understand, that gives us the, the ability to see on, in everything in the world that it's divine source. And there's also a message that we have over here for how we're supposed to impact others. The way to impact others and spread Judaism is to be done with a great storm. When you're serving Hashem privately, okay, you can be quiet. But when you're going out of your own domain, you're going out into the streets of Rome, so to speak, where there's a, lot of, there's a great storm in the street, to, in order to uh, overcome the storm of the street, the, the, the voice of holiness has to be, so to speak, louder than the voice of the, of the streets of Rome. And through this, we'll merit to have the great shofar. The, it says that not just there'll be a shofar, Mashiach will come, there'll be a great shofar that will tell us the news of the Geula, Bukhar of Mamish.